Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you a rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on this weekend's UFC event. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado. We're coming to you guys straight from the end of UFC 283. Jamal Hill capturing the light heavyweight crown with a dominating five-round performance over Glover Teixeira. And uh, I got to say, Hill impressed the hell out of me. Yeah, he showed up um, ready to compete in all phases of MMA. Um, yeah. uh, I I hate that I was right about this. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean... For several reasons. One, because Glover is who he is, like one of the most likable guys you'll ever find in MMA. And and for two, well, at least going in, I thought Glover was the better fighter, just period. However, considering this is 205 pounds, I felt like the athleticism of Hill was just going to be too much for Glover. Yeah. The exact same reason why I picked Johnny Walker to beat Paul Craig. The division, I think it was you who said yep. that true MMA doesn't happen above 170 pounds. It is, it, that is a thing I have said, yes. <laughs> and, like, it's so true, though. It's yeah. it's really rare to see, uh, you know, just the, the most technical, the best fighter went out. It's you got to you got to have the technique, but you also have to have uh, this underlying level of athleticism. Uh, yeah, you, you get all sorts techniques. of X, X factors when you start getting into middleweight and light heavyweight and heavyweight. And you also get a lot of guys where, like, you can be you can march your way all the way up to champ with a game that is decidedly one dimensional. You know, like, right. You got somebody like uh, Leon Edwards getting to a title shot in like 15, 20, whatever UFC fights. Uh, and he's by the time he gets there. He's a really good sharp striker. He's a really capable wrestler. He's a very strong, decent grappler. All these things. You go up one division, and you've got Alex Pereira just like busting ass with a, <laughs> with a kickboxing game and nothing else to become champ within like a year and a half. Right. Yeah. It, it's just it, the the physical attributes. Or is just so much more meaningful at the heavier divisions. Yep. And yeah, so I I wish I had been like you and jumped on Johnny Walker as well. I really thought that Craig would get an an opportunity to at least do a little grappling in that one and show something, make something happen, throw a wrench in there somehow. But that was kind of the most tragic comic fight I've seen in a while, frankly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right up Johnny Walker's alley, too, honestly. Yeah, no, you want to um, go wild and crazy. But no, but to, <laughs> to your uh, original point, though, yeah, he'll, he'll show that he can compete on the ground. He can survive bad positions. Glover had him fully mounted at times, like, and, and he was able to, you know, keep his cool and, and find ways out of the bad situations and get back on his feet to where he can, uh, you know, do his damage and, those straights, the head kicks. I mean, he was he was hurting Glover so bad. I mean, yeah. they should have stopped the fight in the fourth round. It no. was really getting out of hand. But Glover's just that tough. 
Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it is an amazing testament. You know, it was one of those things coming in. Like, I'm picking Jamal Hill going into this to, to knock Glover to share out. He's 43. We've seen Glover get hurt a lot lately in fights. But at the same time, I had to keep checking myself and be like, he's only been knocked out twice in his whole career, and the last time was five years ago. Six, going on six years ago yeah. by Alexander Gustafson. Like, a lot of things can happen to Glover. He's even been submitted, but he is nearly impossible to knock out. And it's a testament in once you know to him and his toughness in this fight that Hill handed him his ass for five whole rounds, and Glover was still with it at the enough at the end of the fight to give a you know post fight I'm riding off into the sunset retirement speech. Like yeah. And and I, I I'm so happy that he is doing that and taking that route. Hopefully it sticks. Um, yeah. But it it was like when Daniel Cormier retired after after losing his belt and it was like if I'm not competing for the title, I don't I don't want to do this. Yeah. And I mean he talked Glover had talked a bunch over the last year of this dream he's had this vision that he would retire with the belt and. He missed his chance on that, and that sucks. But he got to fight for it, you know. Uh, he got to fight for it again right away. He got one chance, more chance to make the dream work, and it didn't. And credit to him for realizing that, you know, that one last chance was going to be it. Like, there's not trying to go back and turn around and make another run at the at the point where you're 43 in a division where the defining characteristic of the fighters is that they're all incredibly big, powerful, and fast. You know? he, All things considered, for a dude who, who just hung his gloves up at 43 and probably realistically peaked back with that first title shot he had in 2014, right? Glover rode out on what really has to be considered a high note. Like three straight title fights to end your career. You may have you may have lost two of them, but that's that's a hell of a legacy. That's a hell of a time to step away. And being able to retire in Brazil, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, respectable career. Became a champion. I mean, especially at the age he did it. It's yeah. What an amazing story. I mean, he gets his he gets a spot in the record books just for the the age at which he captured the belt alone. So, yeah, but yeah, know. man, credit to Hill though he he showed up, man. He did yeah. what he had to do. He made all the right moves, positioned himself perfectly, right place, right time. The draw happened, you know, with, with uh, Ankalaev and Blahovich, which. I mean, talk about the planets aligning just right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good for him. And what's great for us is like, he's, he kind of skipped the line. Like, he hasn't yeah. fought any of the contenders there in nope. the rankings. So nope. we've got a ton of, of fun potential fights coming up. So this yeah. is great for the division. No, it really is. And it'll be f- fascinating to see what Hill can do going forward because, I mean – the thing, yeah, other than the the cardio being a big thing, I got to credit for Hill and his stick to itiveness and his uh, his willingness to fight. The big thing he showed that is really going to keep him 
live in every fight he's in. Like, I don't know. You know, I might, I would probably favor Yuri Prashaska over Jamal Hill if they were to fight. Oh, and maybe Magomed Ankalaev as well. Right. But the thing that's going to keep Hill very much alive in those fights is just how goddamn tough he is. Like, mm-hmm. this dude took some heavy shots. Glover Teixeira got all the moments he needed to win this fight against Hill. He landed the bombs. He got the takedowns. He got the mount. He got the half guard. He got every moment that the kind, all the kinds of moments that Glover has been able to turn into wins the past few years. And Hill's durability was next level. Like his ability to just take whatever was being put on him and then come mm-hmm. right back and jump right back into his offense, right back into his one twos, his high kicks, everything he was doing. Like that, you know, well, you can argue that the defining characteristic of late of late title fight John Jones was just how insanely durable he was. Yeah, durability and um Willingness to throw down the pipe. Yeah. Just throw your punches straight and don't get too crazy with them. And yep. they really do serve you well late in fights when everyone's tired. You know, if you yeah. have those mechanics built in, it's really going to serve you well. And honestly, Glover struggled so much to take him down. Yeah. Um, it's going to be hard for anybody in this division to get him down. Yeah, I mean, Glover's pretty much the best wrestler in that division right now. Um, you know, Uncle Iev can be too, but he, he tends to, it tends to be a, a, a like a, a second or third choice for Uncle Iev. Right. He's like a neutralizing kickboxer kind of. Yeah. He would rather stay at range and, and poke and prod. Yeah. So it, I mean, you know, if people aren't going to go out there and just really out wrestle you, being tough and fast like he is and having good reactions it's uh you know he's going to be a tough he's going to be a tough fighter to dethrone i think even if it's like i say i think he might be favored over blahovich um that you know or ve- that'd be a very 50-50 but even if he's an underdog to yuri and to ankalaev they're not going to be easy fights you know no Yuri's yeah, not a technical um... master. He doesn't. He does a lot of weird stuff. A lot of what he does is based off how durable and how fast he is. And uh, for Uncle Live, he doesn't push a pace like Jamal Hill. Just he. I think I saw somebody saying he landed the fifth most significant strikes in a in like a five round or in like a UFC title fight. Damn, that's crazy. And that's a light heavyweight, you know. So. <sighs> Yeah, he's got the volume there for sure. And yeah. it's, it's meaningful volume. It's not like pitter-patter or empty volume where he's just swinging no. the air. He's tagging you, and he's hurting yeah. you. And, man, how about that uh, that realization that he he realized a dream, and, and he just broke down and was just bawling his eyes out, hugging his coaches. Man, what a beautiful moment. Yeah. Just absolutely. so primal. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, he is the kind of dude, like, he – a lot of fighters say it. 
and they talk about after they win and all that stuff. A lot of them are like, you know, every a lot of athletes say, it, in fact, they're like, everybody doubted me. People didn't give me a chance, didn't think I could do this, all, you know, all that stuff. People really did doubt Jamal Hill. Like, sure. I, you know, I, I picked him, but I had significant doubts about Jamal Hill's ability, especially like if he didn't finish Glover early. I was very much like, man, Glover is going to get moments. And if he gets on top of Hill, if he can, if, if Hill doesn't put him away early and Glover gets on top of him the way he did eventually, like he might start doing the kind of damage that puts Hill away. Right. Right. And, you know, he, he is a fighter that a lot of people, when you, when you talk about who people who would have become UFC champion in 2023 before this Uncle I have, uh, Blahovich uh, fight ended in a draw before this Glover to share a Jamal Hill fight got announced. You talk about people who would think, Oh, 2023, who's going to be champ? Jamal Hill would have been a real long shot. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, you know, he's got every right to feel like he just proved a whole lot of people wrong. And like we said, we weren't even we didn't pick him because he thought he was the we thought he was the more skilled fighter. We picked no. him because we thought he was the better, more durable athlete considering Glover's age and yeah. where he's at in his career. Yeah, like I said, I, I mean. There are title fights that he can take tomorrow that I won't pick him in. Right. <laughs> the, the dude has a reason to feel overlooked. So yeah, but... it's a great testament to him in this moment. It's a great fight from him. Really, really bad night for the UFC in terms of events that they, in terms of live events and in like atmosphere and just you know like i i don't know if this this probably didn't sell either honestly nobody on it was any kind of draw so it wasn't an unfun fight card but it does feel like kind of a a, a wild failure like even the arena they kept showing it looked like it was like two-thirds full maybe yeah, I don't I don't recall many uh the the pants of the audience I remember were when they were just showing, you know, other UFC fighters sitting in the crowd. Yeah. There and whenever they pulled way back, you saw a lot of a lot of red in an arena that has all red seats, you know. A couple times like, "Oh, is it the lighting? Are they shirts? Are people wearing red shirts?" And then they every now and then they'd zoom in or get a little closer and you could see like there's there's just a couple of empty seats for every every few people in there. So, and I heard from some people uh, in Brazil when I was running our live Twitter who said that the tickets were just outrageously expensive. So. Yeah, well, that is the UFC. Yeah, Pay-per-views are going up. Everything's becoming more expensive. Fighters getting paid the same. So speaking of uh, things for, things being ending on a down note for, uh, fans in the arena we got to get to our co-main event brandon moreno beating davison figueredo and um yeah like (laughs) brandon moreno clearly won he was winning the fight well before uh the stoppage 
Figueredo, I don't know, maybe he was already maybe he already had his eyes on the fact that he was leaving for another division. Maybe he was just sick to death of fighting Brandon Moreno. Maybe Brandon Moreno just made the right adjustments and Figueredo didn't. But through two two and a half solid rounds, felt like Figueredo was just not 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 on par. You know, in the way that he'd been for every all the you know, well, I guess I was gonna say every other fight they've had, but two of the other three fights they'd had that were absolutely nip tuck. Yeah, his timing just looked really off. Really off. I don't know if it was Moreno was that much faster out there tonight, or maybe it was a preparation issue or having to go through the weight cut to make 125 pounds. Um but Moreno was just quicker to the draw. Yeah. Tagging the leg, landed beautiful combos on the inside. And then the punch that, I mean, it, it, it just landed perfectly with the knuckle of the thumb right into the eyeball. Yep. And it got weird because as soon as that punch landed with the left hand, Moreno reached out with the right and kind of raked the face of Figueredo. And I couldn't really see, was it an eye poke? Was it not an eye poke? I don't think that uh, if it was an eye poke, it was on the eye that didn't get punched. Yeah, I'm so, going to say, at least from my own, I did not see any angle of that that made it look like an eye poke to me. I saw a finger go into... Yeah, I saw a finger go into Figueredo's ear. I saw, yeah. like, a fi- you know, fingers kind of, like, splay out across his face. But Figueredo was already like he was grabbing his far eye, and there was no point where he ever seemed to contemplate or suggest that his other eye that was on the side that Moreno's open hand landed on had been poked. So I don't think right. that, I, I think it would be kind of a nothing burger to try to, you know, really turn that into a controversial finish. And I don't, you know. Moreno because no, even even if the referee did called the timeout and gave Figueredo time to recover, it wouldn't have changed the outcome. Yeah. The damage done to the eye, I mean, it was pretty much swollen shut on impact. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, it it was it, and, it was non consequential. And like I said, too, it kind of felt like a mercy. Like Figueredo just he he was not on point for this fight. He was not landing well when the fight was standing. He was getting beat to the punch, beat to the kick. The kicking game that he showed last time around that was a huge problem for Moreno, basically non-existent, this fight. And giving up the takedowns would seem easy. They looked easy. Yeah. Moreno was just snagging them. And Figueredo was able to scramble real well and, like, get his own moments back in there, too. But over the long haul of any scramble, Moreno always won it. It would never felt like Figueredo could find any point where he was exercising any control on the bout at all. So, yeah, he could have some argument that he feels like uh, there was an eye poke at the end of it, but like nobody's going to listen to that. He, he got beat, and he's he's leaving the division. So, what are you going to do? You're not going to run it back. Like it, it's done. Yeah, I'm done watching it. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you, like I appreciate the greatness and them competing against one another, but it's like, um, you know, Max Holloway, Volkanovsky kind of, 
Yeah, much more so. Like, we've now seen this fight in all its iterations. And the thing that I feel like I can say walking away from it is that there were two insanely close fights, both of which uh, Figueredo, he had a point deduction, I believe, in the first one. And he won the, the third one, both of which Figueredo won the majority of. But in the other two fights, he got blown out. And if I'm mm-hmm. looking at how you weigh that four-fight series, you got to say, like, Moreno's done with it. He won. He walks away. He's the victor here. Yeah, no. It's so, uh, it's, it's clear, and it's done, yeah. and Figueredo's going to 135. So, yeah, it was a fun little saga while it lasted. Yeah. What's his introduction to 135, though? Man, that's tough because you know you have to put him somewhere at the top. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe you give him like Corey Sanhagen. I mean, that would be a hell of a fight. I'd also just say, I mean, I know like he's been getting beat lately and stuff, but you could do Dominic Cruz. It'd be a name intro, and there's a size factor there. There's an interest factor there. I feel like. Um, that that's definitely intriguing, right? I think if Cruz would be up for it, you know, why not? Yeah, like what else is Cruz doing right now? If he's if this, he gets a high profile fight against a guy who was just champ at flyweight, and Figueredo gets a high profile introduction to fly to bantamweight. That if he wins, he can have a real case of like, oh, I want to, I'm jumping right into the title picture, you know. Yeah, it's definitely someone in the top five, for sure. Yeah. So, I yeah, I don't know. That might be where I would go with it. Depends on what Cruz wants to do. He's definitely in that position where, you know, he's he's riding out the last few fights of his career, and he'll take them in his own good time. But if he is going to fight anytime soon, I wouldn't mind seeing that one. For Moreno, of course, nobody wins bigger out of this title fight here than... Alessandra Pantoja. Oh yeah, I heard, I heard he was. Uh, I heard he was already asking for a title shot, like backstage, like thirty minutes after Moreno. Oh won. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he was already in his face, man. Like, when you ready? Two months? Like, when can yeah. we do this? If you are at Pantoja, every single day between now and. Whenever it happens, you are doing any interviews you can. You're on social media, whatever, being like, I am the flyweight champ. I've already beat the Brandon Moreno twice. His belt is mine. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's definitely going to happen. And that's exciting. It's, yeah. We already have like an intriguing... Uh, but damn, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Moreno was excited to try to get that one back. Oh yeah. Um, but I don't think he's happy with having to be in all these damn rematches. <laughs> you know, that's got to be taxing. It it definitely does. Getting that Frankie Edgar syndrome where like fighting Gray Maynard three times, you're fighting Benson Henderson few times you're fighting bj penn a few times you're fighting jose aldo a few times like enough yeah but 
You know, they got to they the UFC they did the right thing with flyweight, and they get they let these guys go after each other until that we really got a definitive feeling for who was better. And uh, yeah, now it's just time to you know mix it up and find some new stuff, some new fights. All right, yeah, definitely, definitely exciting. Let's talk about welterweight bout here: Gilbert Burns, Neil Magny, and had he not demanded this fight, gotten on the microphone, made the call out, got exactly what he wanted. I would feel kind of bad for Neil Magny. <laughs> uh, I don't. Magny's, I mean, I would. Uh, I, said I would. I don't. Uh, but I would. Uh, Had he not <laughs> gone out in his last bout and been like, I want to fight Gilbert Burns. And Gilbert Burns is like, I don't really want to fight Neil Magny, but nobody else is going to fight me. So fine. Fine. I'll do it. And then he just dog walks him. Like, well, I guess it's better to aim high and miss than yeah. aim low and hit. So credit to Magny for, you know, having balls. I, but Burns you know, is just miles and miles ahead of Magny. Yeah. Miles ahead of him. I, I talked about it on the vivisection. Like, I actually love when a fighter like Magny gets a fight like this. Because dudes like him, they work for, you know, they put all the work in. They go on runs. They beat all these other dudes. They claw their way in position to try to get fights like this and prove that they can win them. And it's worse it is worse to never know what you could have done had you gotten the fight than to get the fight and lose it. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at what Sean O'Malley did taking the Peter Yawn fight. Exactly. Nobody like, really gave him a chance in that, and he showed up. Yep. You got it. You this, this is actually a flawless victory for Gilbert Burns. Yeah, yeah. He didn't absorb a single significant strike. No. He not one. He absolutely. I mean, this was this has been the brutal mat the brutal matchup for Magny's whole career. Big punchers, decent wrestlers, lockdown top position grapplers, all dudes that beat Neil Magny. Gilbert Burns is all three of those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Burns knew he was gonna finish Magny. Oh yeah. Just Magny's put a ton of work in, but he's always been a terrible grappler off his back. It's just yeah. something in his brain is not built for being on his back and having to grapple and burn. No, he loves he loves the clinch. Yeah, but and you know he's got cardio for days, and he'll come on late if you don't put him away. He'll take Man. you down, and you'll beat your ass from top position if he gets the chance. Yeah, but put him on his back. And it is he is a spider legged turtle. Just <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh I have a good visual of that. That's yeah. that's uh that's fantastic, Zane. Did you come up with that? Yeah, yeah, no, sorry. That was <laughs> that was for the moment. It, um, I was inspired. By watching Magni get arm triangled and choked out for we need uh we need Chris Reaney to to there do a yeah. uh, MMA squared sketch of that yeah <laughs> please the seventh the seventh submission loss of Neil Magni's career right oh, but yeah great win for and he calls out Colby Covington 
fights with Covington, Masvidal, like they're the fights Burns deserves. Love to see him get him. Otherwise, yeah. you know, there's that Bilal, there's Bilal Muhammad right up there, and uh, Shavkat Rachmanov, which is another that that would be the like the real kick in the teeth if he has to take that fight. It's like, oh, you yeah, beat the, the guy you didn't want to fight that doesn't get you anywhere, and Neil Magny. Well, here's the guy you really don't want to fight. They really won't get you anywhere in Shavkat Rachmanov. Well, he's got to do something, though. I mean, yeah. there's only so many, so many places for him to go. Being here, yeah. I mean, but I thought it was, I think, a smart calling out Colby because yeah. not many people want that fight. I think him and Bilal are like the only two people that call out Colby Covington. Yeah. Hope he gets it. It would be. It, it feels like one of those fights that should happen. Two guys who have been among the elite at welterweight for like three years, four years now, and haven't fought each other for no real particular reason, except that Covington is in in his uh, diva phase where you know he he really only wants to fight for the title. And that's yeah. It. He's going full Chael Sonnen with it. Yeah. So we'll see if if Covington is going to fight again. Then I mean, you know, the UFC is going to try to stick him in there with dudes like Burns, or it's going to be Chim- Chimaev. So yeah, he's going to have to make a decision sooner or later. All right, that brings us to a woman's flyweight bout: Jessica Andrade, Lauren Murphy. Man, if Glover seemed like he was a step behind Jamal Hill, Lauren Murphy was. She was getting lapped by Jessica Andrade. Oh yeah, light years behind. Just everywhere. Ab- just... Yeah. This is one of those fights where I kind of thought maybe could be if Murphy doesn't get taken down, maybe she can do kind of what Angela Hill did against Andrade and not win, but be really scrappy and tough and make the fight difficult on Andrade, make clinches difficult, land a few shots, get a little get a little bit of her own in and get people thinking like, oh, Murphy competed really well in that fight, even though she lost. No. Got absolutely wiped out of the building. Just a complete thrashing. No, no, it's bad when the, you know, all you can really say is how tough Murphy was out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and credit to her for never giving up and for constantly throwing back um yeah she 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 religiously pumped her jab she kept pawing with it but she wasn't really connecting with it she wasn't getting the respect with it it was just kind of a formality after a while um and oh my man the takedown attempts were just they became sad like the first one was super close like she almost took the back yeah but then after that they just they were she was trying from far away, and when she did have good entries, you know, Andrade was just too strong on the inside and easily defended, and they just got real desperate after a while, and this fight got hard to watch. I'm not going to lie. got a little yeah, hard to watch. It really did. I mean, of course, Andrade then goes and calls out Wei Li Zhang after the fight, and it's like, I get it. I want that fight to see that fight too, but... You're fight, what are you fighting at flyweight for if that's the fight you want? Um, because she knows who the champ is at flyweight. Zane, you know this. 
you got to go where the money is. Well, she's not going to. I mean, I'm just going to draw. Yeah, okay. But I'm saying, like, if, but the, she knows who the champions at flyweight, so don't fight at flyweight. I don't, I don't get why, like, why keep taking fights at flyweight? I mean, I guess it's good for her. She doesn't have to cut weight. It's just a weird progress yeah. to, to get circling back to a flyweight or to a strawweight title fight. I think it's smart. Like, damn that weight yeah. cut. If you can avoid it, <laughs> why yeah. not? And if 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 you're good enough to compete at either division, you know why not? Yeah, it's true. It would be she, it'd be really funny if uh, Andrade just basically exclusively fights fights at flyweight until she until a new t- a title shot opens up at strawweight every every <laughs> couple of years. Just drop back. I down. see no issue with that, honestly. Yeah. Whatever. Like whatever. And she's already fought like everyone in Strawweight. It's true. So she is lucky at this moment that we have already seen Wei Zhong versus Rose Namayunas. Uh we've seen that have we seen that three times now? What, Andrage and and uh, 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 no Wei Zhong and Rose Namayunas? Um they fought uh three times, right? Yeah, Wasn't it a trilogy? We've seen that. Or no, it was twice. It's just twice? Okay, yeah. yeah. No, we've yeah. only seen it twice, so... It fought back-to-back. It's not absolutely dead in the water, and if Rose Namajunas wins another fight here sometime in the near future, she'll probably be right back in the in there for another title shot to make it a trilogy. But uh, in the meantime, yeah, Andrade Zhang, we've only seen that fight once, and it only lasted a minute, so... It does feel like a fight that it's the right time to play it back. And I'll also say this about Andrade competing at Bantamweight. I think I would much rather see that than her missing weight to try to make 115. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, has she ever missed weight? Mm, I don't think so. Not not that I know of. Never missed weight. So, you know. I, I, you know, I trust I trust her to 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 do her thing in terms of weight cuts. It's just, yeah. I mean, I'm happy if, if the UFC is fine letting this happen. I'm fine seeing it happen. It's just very funny because it's not something that anybody else really gets to do. You know? Right, and that's another thing is, uh, I mean, she kind of earned the right to do this. You know, she's paid her due. She cut her teeth, former champion. She fucks everybody up. You know what I mean? She's violent. Yeah. Like, I'm. Give her some leeway. Why not? Yeah. All right. And for Murphy, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure she's going to – I'm sure she wants to bounce right back from this. I'm sure she doesn't think she's done. But at some point, these got to be – start. these got to start being moments where you ask yourself, what is it that I think I'm doing this for? Do I want to just go out there and compete with people and have fights and – get paid for him because there's plenty of fights that Lauren Murphy can take to do that. You know, she's certainly not done with that, but the title discussion that's over, you know, you can't have, you can't have that fight she did with Shevchenko and then this fight with Andrade and ever really be a contender again. Yeah, you know, she reached the, as far as she could go. She hit her ceiling, yeah. and that's fine. It is. No, you I'm, know. I'm not saying that she has anything to be ashamed of. She she way overperformed getting to a title shot against Shevchenko. 
but yeah. it is it's a like, hard you know, realization that yeah if that was not the wake up moment because that probably was just if i she could say oh i didn't have my coach she did say in fact my coach wasn't there i got really thrown off i feel like i could have done better and she talked a lot about i want to bounce right back and get right back into contention she beat me state it's like okay it feels you know for her i'm right back there again and this is the this is the hard reality check of like now there's nothing just i mean Shevchenko wiped the floor with Jessica Andrade, who just mopped the floor with you. And I know it's not MMA math is not the way to do everything, but these are physicality levels, you know? And I think Shevchenko being, you know, at the helm of the division really kind of, you know, you have to, you have to look at yourself and, and realize like, and why, like you said, why am I doing this? Because the person at the top is is so dominant that becoming, you know, the dream to become a UFC champion. I mean, it is not an easy one to obtain. No, especially no. when you have someone so dominant at the top. Yeah. And yeah, I don't. Which. That does also bring up the very good point that I think Paul Felder made during the broadcast of like, there's no honor in, you know, they should have thrown in the towel. There's no honor in going three full rounds with Jessica Andrade. There's no moral victory. There's, you don't, you don't get anything for your next fight by getting beat for an extra five minutes, you know? Right, right, right. I wonder if if Glover's corner knew this was his last fight, and that's why they didn't stop it. I don't know, because I mean, you, you know that you heard they tried, like, or that Hackleman tried in his corner. Right, right. He, he tried to stop it, but the other cornermen just weren't having it, and uh, they had the voice in Glover's ear. I, it's just, it's not a thing that MMA corners do, you know. No, that's the at least Glover was still actually having moments. Yeah, you you okay, can no. retro, retrospect is going to be very kind to Glover there because he got that big takedown in the fifth round. Yeah. But Murphy didn't have any of that. Ah, it was just a beating, a one-sided beating. Um, yeah, I wish there was like a mercy rule where like if enough people hit the button, they'll. <laughs> Yeah, that wouldn't get terribly abused, like all of those fan bonus things where, like, <laughs> you know, guys would just win them by, before the fights even started. You get yeah. performance, fan performance of the night bonuses being handed to people. You get, no, you, get, right. you, you get, like, uh, you know, you, you get uh, opponents for Sean O'Malley. You get, like, Sean O'Malley opponents getting DQ'd before the fight even started. <laughs> true, very true. Or you'd have like degenerate gambling discords all yeah, pushing yeah. that button at the same time. Sprouse splashing out like 50, 50, 50 bucks in credit to everybody who hits, you know, mercy, mercy stoppage for this fight. <laughs> Under one and a half. Come on. All right, uh, that brings us to a light heavyweight bout. Johnny Walker, Paul Craig, and honestly, this was some like, it's kind of some Acme Looney Tunes shit. Like, it reminded me uh, of when Seth Petrozelli knocked out Kimbo Slice. Oh, it was yeah. like the same sort of like, 
um, like they caught a kick and uh, like a, just a straight, a straight knocked him out. Yeah, and this, like, I mean, Paul Craig didn't even get knocked out. Walker just started like smacking him when he was holding that leg, and just kind of everything he landed just hurt Craig a bunch. And I get it. Walker's a huge dude. He is known for hitting people really hard, but it's just such a weird look to see like a guy clinging to an ankle, clinging to that single leg, just getting whacked in the side of the head a few times. And the ref just having to be like, okay, well we got to be done here. Cause this can't go on. Yeah. What a fantastic stoppage too. Yeah. It, it was dying definitely- on a single leg is not intelligently defending yourself. No, no. It was some real, uh, you know, uh, Oh, Mount Vesuvius sort of people frozen in the last position because the <laughs> volcano hit them so fast, you know. Uh, <laughs> like, no, it it was bad. It was yeah. it was like it, you know you have like your your little niece like sitting on your foot and you have to like walk around with them. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was. Oh, miserable stoppage for Paul Craig. Another win for Johnny Walker, keeping him fully in the midst of being able to do more cartoonishly violent things in the light heavyweight division for the immediate future. And, uh, you know, I got to feel like, too, now, like, I know it'd be win or lose it, but you got to turn around and match Johnny Walker up with Volkan Uzdemir. Yeah, sure. That'll be a weird fight. Right. Just feels like the right, the right goofy violent fight to make right now. Definitely weird. That's going to be sticky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I feel like, like it's cool if you're a specialist at 205 pounds, you can win a lot of fights. Mm-hmm. Um, however, that doesn't trump athleticism. No, I mean it just doesn't. Jiu-Jitsu is a magic bullet at light heavyweight. There are very few guys in that division who grapple really well and don't make a lot of big mistakes. But, you know, that 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 doesn't mean that you – if you're a BJJ guy at light heavyweight, when you lose, you are going to get annihilated. Right. You, just, you know, yeah. we, we all remember Anthony Paroche, the hippo. <laughs> Dude got some miracle subs, and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe he beat that guy. And the reason you couldn't believe it is because two fights later, you would see him get absolutely blown to pieces by the most random dude on the roster with like one, one, two, a minute into the first round. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Eric Spicely. Mm-hmm. If you remember him. Yeah. He submitted yeah. Uh, Tiago Santos. Right? Yeah. And like, you know, getting finished with a body kick from Gerald Mearshart. Yeah, that is exactly. I mean, and that, that all happened in middleweight, but that is huge light heavyweight energy. Really. Big time. All right. Let's drop down to another light heavyweight bout, a fight that never needed to get made, a fight that really pretended all of the disappointment that Brazilian fans were going to feel uh, later in the evening. Ihor Potieria against Shogun, who... Uh, Shogun's final farewell fight. Two, two and a half minutes of him looking okay, pretty decent, mixing it up there with some young kid who really didn't have it was kind of it was kind of worse 
actually, than if Poteria had just gone out there and like landed a body kick and folded Shogun in half? Because then you'd be like, oh, wow, well, at least, you know, we saw Poteria be really looking violent and dominant and everybody's going to be scared of him now. But instead, we got enough time for Poteria to just look really kind of bad and <laughs> over, like, he just got hit way harder by Shogun than he could hit Shogun. Like, it was clear that even old man Shogun had w- way bigger pop in his strikes, had a way more clinical game. But Potieri is, you know, he's in his 20s. He's like 25, 26, something. Still has all the speed and just kept mixing it up until he caught Shogun with something that hurt him really bad, and that's it. Yeah, no, I mean, Ihor is a, he's an off-brand glue factory, yeah. right? Like, yeah, who was put out to the pasture? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't Elmer's glue. No, you know, it was a, it was an, maybe the dollar store brand. Yeah, but I, I don't think it was that bad. I mean, oh come on, he didn't you, go. That crowd what? when that when that fight finished, you could have heard a pin drop in that building. Yeah, I mean, everyone's sad for Hula. Everyone wanted him to win, but I mean, it could have been it could have been a lot more vicious. It could have been a lot more brutal. Oh, sure. In in, in terms of the amount of damage Shogun took, yeah, it could have been way worse. But so, like, that's that's my saving grace here. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't pick Shogun to win. I wanted him to win in my heart. Yeah, but. I feel like this was as soft of an exit as he could have asked for. Yeah, I mean, if you're you're gonna line him up with just some guy on the UFC roster to get stomped, then at least it wasn't a terrible stomping. But it really was just like the most depressing note to kick the card into pay per view. An (laughs) audience dead quiet, absolutely not wanting to see any of it. Potieri, all like. you know what? It was his moment. He got a huge win for him, a career defi It could be the, the biggest win he ever gets in his career. Could be. Um, and so he's screaming on the mic about all sorts of random stuff. You know, he's he's just going full, going crazy on the mic. And just, just the absolute, like, no, people were, people were barely even had the, people barely even had the energy to boo him. They were just sad. Yeah, their hearts were broken. Versus yeah. when Moreno beat Figueredo and they started throwing trash at him. Oh yeah, no, they were. He had to get escorted out of the uh, out of the uh, main arena part. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah, it was. That's not good. No, although for credit to him, he was he was cracking up hilariously all the way. But you have yeah. to. Yeah. That's kind of that's a scary moment. It is. That mob mentality is. Uh, that's dangerous. Yeah, they were pissed. They thought he get, they they thought Figgy got fouled. He didn't, but you, you know, especially in a live crowd, you can't tell people that. All they can do is see the jumbotron. They don't even get in the, you know, they don't even get the booth talking. Right. You just, you're there live. All you do is see it, and that's it. At least Potieria was respectful. Kinda. <laughs> No, how was he not respectful? He did that he little dance afterward and all that. And then he No, you know. no, no, no. He did the dance. Like that's his thing. And then he I, shoots I he shoots his opponent. But 
if you if you go back and watch the replay, he he does the little shoot thing, but he wags his finger, no, 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 and he doesn't shoot. He shoots in the air instead, and then puts his thing away, wow. showing respect. So wow. he he did a little signature thing and modified it out of respect for Hula. So that was nice of him. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people misinterpreted it, though. Yeah, I don't think it's going to get him. I don't think it's going to get him any 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 friends out of it. But no, he should retire. <laughs> Igor should retire. Just like that's it. That's the Super Bowl. All right. Our producer is reminding us we got a long way left to go here. Uh, middleweight bout Br- Bruno Ferreira against Gregory Rodriguez and. Um, Man, I I picked Rodriguez. I assume you picked Rodriguez. Yeah. I knew going in though, like this was a terrible trap fight to take. Ferreira has a had a legit puncher's chance, and he got schooled for all four minutes and ten seconds of this fight by Rodriguez, and then landed one huge left hook, and that was it. Man, that dude packs a wallop. Yep. Built like a brick shit house, and it's crazy too because I mean, just that single punch is what put Rodriguez completely unconscious. And yeah, he followed up with an, a super, super necessary strike. But remember when Rodriguez ate that knee from Chitty? Yeah, like, like he ate it like it wasn't even a thing. So Bruno must really have some horsepower in his hands because for him to put Rodriguez out like that, I mean, that's. That's really remarkable. Yeah, brutal loss for Rodriguez, who was on the cusp of top t- top ten, top fifteen competition, and uh, you know now is going to be three or f- probably two or three or four fights away from that, having to go on another win streak. Uh, great intro for Fajeda, but you know he also got outclassed for every minute of it until the knockout. Is he gonna? Is this going to turn into a bunch of success or get him thrown in like over his head? Is he going to have to fight somebody like Anthony Hernandez or something and just have Hernandez go go ham on him? I have no idea. I mean, who knows? He might be like a Drickus Duplessis kind of guy. True, true. He he needs to get touched a little bit before he wakes up. All right. Well, that brings us to a lightweight bout. Tiago Moises, Melchizio Costa, and... uh, Good fight for Moises, honestly. No, he looked great everywhere. Yep. He, his boxing was crisp. Um, you know, his takedowns were there. Top control was there. Casa just, you know, outclassed. Just too much for him. Too much too yep. soon, I guess. Short, short notice. I mean, he, has, he has more fights than Tiago, but, I mean, the level of opposition, not to mention the, the grappling pedigree yeah. that Tiago has. I mean, the dude's world class. Yeah, and I, I thought too, like especially coming in on short notice, like he did. You know, you're you're much more apt to not be ready for somebody's takedown setups and stuff like that, and the nuances of their game. Costa really just had to go out there and try to go wild and see if he couldn't make something magical happen, and he couldn't. He's he's a fun action fighter. He'll be a fun he'll be a fun addition to the UFC for as long as he's around. This was a big ask on short notice. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a welterweight bout. Gabriel Bonfim and Munir Lezez. Lezez taking home tonight's extreme brain thinking of the night award for 
absolutely walking himself right into a first round, first minute submission loss. Yeah, we always bitch about guys jumping the guillotine, <laughs> but you know, it's not crazy if it works. I mean, you gotta look too if you're gonna scout anything about Gabriel Bonfim. Because I was, you know, I watched him and I was like, man, this dude can get touched up a lot standing. I picked Lizez because I'm like. I I know Lizez can do that. And for as long as this fight was standing, he did. He absolutely was way sharper on the feet. But if you're going to take anything away from Bonfim's regional record, you got to look at the fact that the guy on the contender series was absolutely dialing him up standing too, and then jumped on a guillotine and got Von Flued. Like Bonfim's ground game, it is legit transitional dangerous mm-hmm. you don't get backed up in the first minute and decide oh i'm gonna shoot a double on this guy <laughs> what the hell yeah no he paid it he paid for it man paid for it immediately and, man bonfim his grappling really is the truth i yeah. i love the way he used the momentum when he jumped the guillotine to to do a little back roll into the full mount yeah that was sweet it was it was pretty like his his stand up game has gaps his wrestling is eh, you know it's not great it, I haven't seen him create a lot of great takedowns but if you mix it up with this dude on the mat there is legit skill there you know you got to be aware yeah, he, he is a submachine he cannot go out there like Lizez did and be like oh yeah sure I'm a really sharp kickboxer but what if I just try to hit a takedown or two what'll happen terrible idea all right that brings us to a heavyweight bout Jailton Almeida Shamil Abdurahimov and uh yeah this was just an absolute walk in the park for Almeida unsurprisingly no this was fantastic this this proves that he can uh he can really compete with with top true heavyweights because you know he competes at 205 also so for him to come in here and give up so much weight and still be able to outgrapple people, like the sky's the limit. Like shoot this guy up the top. I want to see him fighting contenders. Yeah, I mean he's, you know, he he has. I've we've talked about it a lot before. The difference of what makes somebody able to transition from light heavyweight to heavyweight is confidence. It's the ability to go up and be like, oh, yeah, sure, this guy is six foot four and built like a refrigerator, but I am absolutely sure that I can beat him everywhere. And Jailton Almeida has that unquestionably. Mm-hmm. And being confident, like, he's going to be a better wrestler and a better grappler than most of his competition at heavyweight. Pretty much all. And of let's, let's not forget about the, uh, the dad energy that he brings yeah. to the table. That's that what you I'm must saying. have if you want to succeed at the big man division. That's what I'm saying is that you got to have that dad confidence of like, doesn't matter how l- large my son is, I can always dunk on him. And Jailton Almeida, that is absolutely the energy he has. Which is why I want to see him fight heavyweight's largest adult son, Alexander Romanov. <laughs> sure. A man literally built like an ambulatory refrigerator. 
No, the dude's and, a horse. And a, a huge wrestle grappler. So you put those two in the cage together, what happens? You know? I want to see it. Yeah, honestly, I will watch Almeida fight anybody. Mm-hmm. He's must-see. Like, he, yeah. he, you have to. He's so dominant. And, like, how are these guys going to stay on their feet? Yeah. Like, it'll be, you know, I want to see him take that test. He wins that kind of fight. Then suddenly you're looking at, like, well, what if we had him fight Curtis Blades? What's going to happen? You know? No. Curtis Blades will feel so disrespected. <laughs> right? Right. I'm here for it, too. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a bantamweight bout. Cody Stamen against Luan Lacerda. And I'm not going to say there's any controversy to this score. Uh, the first round was very close. I gave, I personally scored it for Lacerda and thought that Lacerda... Uh, should have been given a, the decision, 29-28. Stamen had a very good argument for it himself. But I will say, may, maybe it was his terrible cut, because Stamen said he, he arrived in Brazil with 22 pounds still to cut. Damn. Yeah. Um, but he really tried, like his corner told him he absolutely won that first round. And then he, at Stamen, absolutely just coasted out that third round. And it was one of those fights where I was just like, man, this is this is an ugly fight for a borderline top 15 dude fighting somebody in their debut. Mm-hmm. You know? Maybe it was the cut and the travel and the cut. jet lag and all that. But Hearing that afterward, it could have been the cut, but it was not an impressive performance from Stamen. Uh, I thought he looked okay out there. I mean, he he looked real nimble and light on his feet and was doing a really great job early on of sticking and moving. And, um, you know, I thought I thought he looked decent out there. It wasn't until the third round that he really hit the wall and, yeah. and really just got on his bike and sort of really went after it. But I, I don't think it was that bad. I thought he did okay. Um, I mean, but... Like it, it, he did okay if he's if you're just talking about guy who stays in the UFC, but if you're talking about dude who was fighting uh, Marab Dvalishvili to a close decision or to like a hard fought three rounds a couple fights ago, this was not that kind of performance. Like all this tells me is that Marab Dvalishvili absolutely wipes the floor with you every single time. I think Lucerta had a really good fight too. You did have a good so, fight. I mean, I'm, maybe we're underselling, uh, you know, his skill set. Maybe. I'm just, you know, I think this was an opportunity for for Stamen to show up bigger and better, and he didn't. So, I don't know. I don't want to be hard on the guy. He got a win, but... It was, was really also, close. There was also, apparently, he was talking all fight week about how he was going to, like, you know send Brazil Brazilians home with their hat in their hands and make them pay for all of their talk and all this stuff. And it's just like, and then you turn in this fight. What are you, Sean Strickland now? Serial killer outside <laughs> the cage. So I don't know. Whatever. I guess there's, there's worse places to be. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Ismail Bonfim, Terrence McKinney, and... My read, I picked Bonfim going into this. 
And my feeling was he's a hardened vet. He's a survivor. He's tough to put away. He'll wait McKinney out. He'll get hurt. You know, maybe he'll get hurt early, but if he survives, he can, he can turn it around against McKinney who always fades. And instead he just went out there and schooled McKinney for every minute. Didn't have to make him tired. I don't think McKinney really even got gassed. He just lost. He just got shellacked. Yeah, um, I picked Bonfim also. Um, I think mainly because McKinney is so explosive, but that explosiveness um, really it masks a lot of his defensive lapses. Oh, yeah. striking. Yeah. And Bonfim is a banger. He is someone who will bite down and, and throw everything into one strike. And he was catching McKinney in those moments where he was maybe leaning back instead of putting up a high guard. And McKinney was just getting tagged up left and right. And then Bonfim just made the perfect read, throwing that jumping switch knee. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was right after he knocked out the mouthpiece of McKinney. Yeah. So McKinney took a jumping switch knee to the face with no mouthpiece in, completely out on impact, does a face plant. I mean, just a, a one. I would say candidate for knockout of the year right here. Yeah, so far, definitely. And I'm, but the thing is, too, like he didn't just outstrike McKinney. You know, take advantage of McKinney's defensive holes there. He out wrestled him and he out grappled him too. Yeah, this was a comprehensive ass kicking from Ismael Bonfim. What a like, debut for the Bonfim brothers! Yeah, holy smokes. And Ismail, like I love, I love, I love his game a lot. I have questions still about Gabriel's game. His, like I say, his striking and wrestling. I have questions there, but Ismail, he he got to the UFC. He's been at this game for ten years now. He's still only twenty seven, but he got to the UFC at just the right time. Like he is a he is a complete version of himself right now, pretty clearly. Yeah. You know, Drew, Drew Dober didn't have that easy a time with Terrence McKinney. True, true. You know. All right, that brings us to a welterweight bout. Nicholas Dalby, Warley Alves. Probably no fight on this card made me happier, especially a fight I was totally wrong for. Then Dalby going out and just taking it to to Warley Alves, putting the screws to him and beating him for a decision. Love it. Yeah, it seemed like he he just had more will out there, just mm-hmm. the dog in him, just willing to keep going forward no matter what. And when he started, not the, so not the prettiest fight. No, not What's the prettiest that? fight. Like you would never you in a hundred years convince me that it would be Nicholas Dalby starting fast and Warley Alves winning round three with a late surge. Never would have seen that coming. No. But Dalby came to bang. Yeah. Because uh, he knew what he was signing up for. And Alves is no is no easy fight, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, there was one point where he was considered, you know, one of the top prospects yeah. at 170. Yeah. Been treading water ever since. But um, I'm, I love seeing this from Dalby because, you know, he, he just had like – he had such a rough story with his first exit from the UFC, you know, falling into some some hard alcohol abuse and stuff like that, and just clawed his way back 
through Cage Warriors, gotten re-signed, and now he's like four and one with a one no contest in the UFC in his second run. Yeah, it's uh he quietly has put this uh this little run together. Yeah. Cool to see and, and great to hear that he, he's overcoming substance abuse. Yeah. Um it's always a always a feel good moment in MMA. Definitely. So great win for him. All right, that brings us to a woman's featherweight bout. Josie Ann Nunez, Zara Farn dos Santos nearly got to feel I, I would have been crowing. From the the moment our show started to the rest of the week, had Zara Farron actually won this fight? Because I was like the only person out there that picked her. But she came really close, so I'm still yeah. feeling good about it. She had a really good first, like, four minutes. Like, she really came, let her strikes go, had her moments, had Nunez in all sorts of trouble, but... As soon as that adrenaline dump set in, yeah. she just slowed down tremendously. And Nunez just picked up the pace, just throwing her wild haymakers, just being super effective, um, getting Zara to, to back up in a straight line up to the cage where she just became stationary. And she was able to land so many just, just clean hooks to the face. And um, what a way to rally. Yeah, still not a pretty fight or a pretty win. I still don't know why Josiane Nunez is fighting at 145 pounds at all. I mean, I get maybe she's just getting these. This gets her fights faster because the bantamweight division is so shallow. But if ever a fight really, really made the point, why don't you consider women's flyweight instead of women's bantamweight even? This would be it. Because it really did look like a teacher with like a really unruly fifth grader in there. <laughs> Where I had, like I had a I had a vision of uh, Ace Ventura two <laughs> when the the giant guy walks out with Tommy Davidson on his back. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> uh, but like just you know like she's five foot two. What, no, you know, for sure. What what is this? What are you? I, I you know, she got a win. Pat Barry. She's Pat Barry. Yeah, but even Pat, even Pat Barry was like, I don't know. I, you're right. You're right. <laughs> She's Pat Barry, dude. All right. Well, less technical. Yeah. No. Very much less technical. So. Ugly fight. I wish Farron had pulled it out. If she'd just fought at like two-thirds speed in that first round, I think she would have won this fight. But she fought. She dumped everything she had into those first few minutes. And that was a huge mistake. All right, and that brings us to our opening bout of Bantamweight bout. Daniel Marcos, Simon Oliveira, and uh, really good fight for Marcos. Terrible fight from Oliveira. I don't know if maybe the nerves of fighting at home got to him or something, but he looked totally, he looked jittery from the, from go. He looked supremely uncomfortable out there. And Marcos looked like he took a big step up in the time off since he was on tough. And he looked 
or not tough, but contender series. And he looked a lot sharper, a lot cleaner, more technical, more uh, unflappable in his aggression, better progression of punches into the clinch, into clinch strength, into clinch strikes. Just a much flowier fighter out there than I'd ever seen from him before. So good performance. His body work. His body work was tremendous. Yeah. Like, that was phenomenal. Anytime you, you, you stop someone with a body shot, um, I'm, I'm paying attention. Yeah. So great fight from him. On that note, we're going to wrap it all up. You can find me on Twitter at TheZaneTime. You can find Eddie on Twitter at the Eddie Mercado. You can find both of us over at BloodyElbow.com. Give us a like, subscribe to our podcast on Bloody Elbow Presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and all that good stuff. And we'll be back in two weeks' time, not one but two, for UFC Fight Night, uh, Lewis versus Spivak. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you then. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivis Section, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play by Play for every UFC pay per view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow. Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog and as always on bloodyelbow.com